We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, we are taking a dive into the 1999 shark tale of a movie, Deep Blue Sea. Oh, man. The sea has never been deeper or bluer than it is in this movie. Oh, yes. That is true. And uh, we're watching this movie because... Uh, the Meg is coming out, the giant shark movie, and we thought, and we thought, what better movie to watch than every single Meg Ryan movie out there? But uh, we decided yep. to go with Deep Blue Sea. But if you would like to listen to our review of like four of the greatest Meg Ryan movies <laughs> ever made, uh, check out our playlist uh, on SoundCloud where we compile all of our Megathon that we did uh, a little while back. Uh, it's also on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, but we have a nice little convenient playlist yeah. on SoundCloud. So there you yeah. go. Man, I would have loved to have done another Megathon for the Megalodon, but you know, we just couldn't do it. <laughs> we just couldn't do it. And we we know we could tell that you had been really wanting a review of Deep Blue Sea. And I had never seen this before, so it seemed like you know we were due. We owed it to ourselves and to everybody else and to Meg Ryan. <laughs> now, in case you have never seen Deep Blue Sea, let me wrap it up for you. Uh, if you imagine if Jaws and Jurassic Park had a get together and said, let's make a movie, it would be Deep Blue Sea, basically. Uh, yeah. Deep Blue Sea is all about how someone basically they made a shark movie about scientists being all scientisty and just saying but what if we made scary nature scarier by making sharks super smart uh like velociraptors and you have basically really smart sharks that are doing real crazy things uh like opening doors putting people in ovens you know, a lot of very strong Jurassic Park parallels. Yep. That's the synopsis for Deep Blue Sea. Uh, and it has a a pretty oppressive cast. As I as the characters were being revealed, I was thinking, oh, I forgot that this person was in here. Uh, but we have Thomas Jane, uh, famously known as one of the Punishers, uh, pre-MCU uh, and pre-Netflix original series. Uh, we have Samuel L. Jackson, Again, pre-Marvel. And LL Cool J post-rap career. So it was a pretty impressive cast. We also have other people. We have uh, Saffron Burroughs. We have Michael uh, Rappaport. Rappaport? <laughs> Sorry, what, what did I say? Oh, no, you said it right. It's just so much fun to say his last name. I had to join in. Rappaport. You may know him as uh, Phoebe's gun-toting boyfriend on Friends who shoots the bird and instantly kills the relationship. Spoiler alert, the show's been off the air for decades. <laughs> um, go on. Yeah, and uh, and we also have uh, one of, you know, the great uh, Mamma Mia men, uh, <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, yeah. 
And so when the movie came out, uh, it did uh, surprisingly well in the box office because in case you haven't noticed, it's really hard to make a shark movie without just making Jaws. Uh, it, it just is. Uh, that's why there aren't a ton of shark movies out there that unless you do something like, I don't know, put them in a tornado, it's going. To, you will be remiss to not just make another Jaws movie. Um, but Deep Blue Sea actually did pretty well in the box office with a budget of $82 million. It made $164 million worldwide uh, and generated a little bit of buzz in its time when it first came out uh, with its, you know, shocking use of characters and how they went about storytelling, which we will talk about a little bit later on. Uh, but later on, this became known for like one of the greatest non-Jaws shark movies ever made, uh, just mm. because they really went for it. They said, okay, well, you know, Jaws has been done, but how can we kind of amp it up a little bit? And before the wake of all of the, you know, sci-fi original movie shark things, this movie uh, really stood out on its own, and it was one of the fewer, bigger-budget shark movies to be made without it being just, like, a B movie. Not that B movie, hmm. but, like, Category B. Yeah, I was actually fairly impressed by it. So I had heard of it, and whenever we were thinking of, like, what are monster ocean movies, this was one of the first ones that came up, and uh, it's so fascinating it's like anchored in this time period uh partially because of the cast and a little bit because of the effects but like the fire effects really solid the like close-ups on the sharks were actually really impressive and they do a good job at still creating tension in an absurd scenario uh, like the water is just as bad as the sharks in most of the scene yes uh I have to call out before I forget the stunt people that did this are incredible. Like, I don't know how many times they fell over. Everyone had to be exhausted when they left. Um, and if you look at the credits, the list of stunt performers is basically as long as the cast list itself. Just very impressive. Um, and so it makes sense that like that kind of action as practical as they could make it would elevate it to that kind of status um, because it's my personal opinion, Ricky, that CGI and water are a very rough combination most of the time. Um, this movie has it, but wherever they were able to avoid it, they did, and uh, that was um, to its benefit. And, you know, um, Aquaman 2018 is coming out soon, so... Let's hang on. We should have saved this for that. Oh, man. You know, I was watching this and actually thinking, man, Tom Jane would have been a great Aquaman. And you know what they say? You either die the Punisher or live long enough to see yourself become Aquaman. They do say that. But I have heard that. You know who else would also be a great Aquaman? Would Aaron Eckhart. And you know what he says? He says, you either die as Two-Face or I become Aquaman. Very confusing press junket when uh, Dark Knight came out. Uh, but yeah, no, he said that. He, he, he said that quite a bit. So now I want to share with you a couple of fun facts about the movie. So the movie was filmed uh, primarily at the Fox Baja Studios in Mexico, where the production team constructed its set above large water tanks that had been built out 
for James Cameron's Titanic. Oh. Uh, there are tons of homages to Jaws in this movie. Uh, one being uh, the license plate that is pulled from the shark's teeth is the same one found in the tiger shark in Jaws from 1975. Whoa. Same exact license plate. Uh, and the three sharks uh, that were killed were killed in the same ways of the three sharks spoiler for all of the Jaws movies. Uh, mm. The same way that three sharks in Jaws were killed. Uh, Jaws 1, Jaws 2, and Jaws 3D. Uh, blown up, electrocuted, and incinerated respectively. Wow, that's interesting. I also just watched a video that... Uh, confirmed that Richard Dreyfuss's character in Jaws was the same character that he reprised in Piranha 3D, which means Piranha 3D and Deep Blue Sea have to be in the same universe as well. Ooh. Look at that. Stay on land. <laughs> uh, now, the movie wasn't a huge budget, but uh, one of the interesting things that I thought was funny to share was that because their budget was so tight, they were thinking... A big point of tension was whether or not they should have a parrot in the movie. Oh, wow. um, they they had to go back and forth like, well, do we have like a Hollywood parrot that can actually talk and be fully trained and like come when you like you call them? Uh, and so they ended up getting a parrot from Mexico City. Uh, and they had two parrots, one that was uh, able to comfortably uh, sit on L. Cool J's shoulder, and the other one that did pretty much everything else. It was a very talented parrot. I was looking up whether or not it was the same parrot that they used for the 1998 movie, Polly, but I lost interest and stopped researching. <laughs> I think they're probably different parrots. And my last fun fact is for one scene, Thomas Jane actually had to swim alongside a real-life shark, uh, and he was only allowed to do that after he had completed all of his other scenes. It doesn't inspire confidence. No, it's just like, hey, we want you to swim to the shark, but let's do this after you do everything else. Like, why are we waiting? <laughs> it's a shark. It's a shark. Man, that'd be so intense. It is fun to see how much his character is uh, kind of the precursor to Chris Pratt's character in Jurassic World. Uh, just the way that they interact with the sharks. I mean, there's a respect there. Um, but I really enjoyed Tom Jane in this. I thought I thought it was uh, pretty fun. And you could tell that he was he was dedicating physically a lot to the role anyway. So... Uh, yeah, that's um, upsetting that he could have been eaten because it was real. Yeah, and we, we never would have had Eureka. We never would have had select episodes of Arrested Development where he plays himself, Tom Jane. <laughs> Grayson, I know you mentioned before that you had not previously seen this movie, so I'm going to share mm -hmm. with you uh, some of my memories. I There's a period of time in my life where... Um, this is, I think we're venturing into some new territory of my upbringing, Grayson. Uh, so mm -hmm. when my parents got cable uh, and I was in high school, I watched a ton of movies because we had like movie channels, like stars. Uh, and I, I would just, just click through and watch like whatever movie title sounded interesting. And Deep Blue Sea, I was like, oh, okay, let me see this. So I watched it. I watched Deep Blue Sea and I remember 
it was one of the first times that I realized or that I saw a movie where you had Samuel L. Jackson in a movie and you kill him off in such an epic way. Oh my goodness. Like when he's just talking, he's giving this very inspirational speech. This is at a point in time where I'm like, I, I, I know what's about to happen. I had watched a lot of these kind of like action thriller movies before. I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, he's going to give his rousing speech and everyone's going to like follow him, this, that, the other. And then the shark just comes up and eats him. And I remember being like, you can do this in a movie? What is happening? Yeah. And this yeah. was before I had seen Scream or had any reference to doing something like that. Uh, and I just was so blown away. And from the from that moment on, the movie just had my focused attention. Uh, mm. And also, the... LL Cool J role was maybe one of my favorite roles. Um, I quoted his omelet line more than I quoted like most movies <laughs> that I want. Just like, we're going to learn how to make the perfect omelet, which is with two eggs, not three. A lot of people use milk for density, but that is a mistake. And I don't know why, but I think that was just like a, a random, very specific piece of knowledge that i just love to spout out every once in a while and no one knew it was from deep blue sea because you know who was watching deep blue sea and committing lines to memory so uh those are my main memories from watching the movie yeah so i haven't hadn't seen this until we watched it for this but my wife had seen it a while back and it's amazing how often deep blue sea comes into our conversation and so i knew about the Samuel L. Jackson scene years ago, she just told me. She, she didn't care. She just told me. And it it still was amazing. It's still a great scene. Um, and she also has a, a, a pretty, pretty substantial theory about the sharks that I will reserve for headcanon. But everything about this movie was filtered through her experience. Um, but I still had a really good time watching it. My my primary takeaway was why didn't they put the bulletproof glass from the oven on the outside of the lab? <laughs> because that oven glass was tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a deep sea lab designer, so I, I'm totally out of my element here. But if I'm prioritizing glass density, it goes on the outside. I'll deal with it if it breaks while I'm, you know making a pie <laughs> one of the biggest things that i noticed this time around that i didn't realize before um were the special effects oh man i remember them holding up so much better uh which you know just happens with time uh but i didn't realize like how badly they wouldn't hold up like i it felt like it just jumped into uh spider-man one like and now we're going to go into 3d land um and there are certain little things like that but um but besides that i think the biggest thing that i didn't realize was how because i mean the thing didn't exist but um this is the same plot line for the rise of the planet of the apes yeah oh you're right you're absolutely right with they're, they're trying to cure alzheimer's and they end up creating genetically modified animals yeah wow good call that would have been a bonkers alternate ending is LL and Tom Jane, you know, make it through it. And then they go back to the mainland 
and they go to the Lincoln Memorial, and it's got a shark's head. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. I would love that. The movie does a really good job at just effectively... I feel like this is what most video game water levels should be like. Instead mm. of just sticking you underground and or underwater, instead of just sticking you underwater and making you like have to like swim or like go f- try to find a little oxygen bubble, just have a place start to slowly fill up. And if you don't get out in time, game over and like that because like that is that was like the the biggest piece of stress because like you can't beat water (laughs) it's just like sure a big steel thing can get in the way but water's just filling up this place and i just realized it it just reconfirmed my deep fear of drowning so thanks deep blue sea um oh speaking of deep blue fear Maybe my favorite use of a movie title in a movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, we answered the question. What does the shark with a giant brain dream of all day? The deep blue sea. I just shouted, roll credit. 14 minutes left. That was a pretty good. Like yeah. They could have ended the movie Somebody right there. Somebody once told me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the title Deep Blue Sea is uh, very catchy. I think if I had put this movie on knowing nothing about it i would have expected it to be narrated by david attenborough but instead what i got to see was um you know a great action film with the friends of richard attenborough so you know i'm i'm good with it so for this next part of the show um grayson as a surprise uh i know as we've been doing this podcast i i meant to tell you that i've been slowly um feeding uh this genetically modified shark uh, some gunpowder mm. uh, to, uh, you know, increase its brain uh, size. But it's a genetically modified shark, so don't worry, PETA. It can ingest gunpowder safely. I did that so that we can successfully create this enzyme that, when ingested, makes head cannons. <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't call it a hammerhead cannon. Oh my gosh, Ricky, you had one job. It's all right, man. You know, it's great. Everything else was great. All I wanted to respond with, though, was saying, you telling me you made a head cannon out of a shark? <laughs> well, the way I saw it, if we're going to make a head cannon, why not do it in style? Headcan is the part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Um, so my biggest piece of headcanon, and I had to give credit where credit's due. I wish this was my own idea. Honest Trailers just made a video for Deep Blue Sea. They mentioned this, and I said, oh, how I wish that this was my idea. My headcanon is that Deep Blue Sea is a prequel to the hit underrated 90s TV show, Street Sharks. So you might be wondering, hey, what Street Sharks? Remember back in the 80s and the 90s where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were everything? Well, people said, hey, if people like Ninja Turtles, what else can we make? We like making money and merchandise off of all these things. 
exact copy paste, but instead of turtles, they are sharks and they are quippy and the toy line is voiced by Vin Diesel. I would love nothing more mm. than for this to be the nexus point for them to then make Street Sharks the live action movie. I think that that was so that would be great. And so that's how it happens and that's how the experimentation starts making all of that happen. That's great. Man, I loved Street Sharks. I used to watch that all the time. Although they were my second favorite Street Sharks uh, to the ones in West Side Story uh, who fought the Jets. Uh, you know, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm ranking Street Sharks. Uh, but that's great headcanon. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Did, I desperately tried to tie this to the MCU so much so that I, it's, it's all I got. It's all I'm re- really hanging on to. Um, but to make it work because of names and fatalities and such as they are this has to be like a different universe in all of you know the marvel universe size um so you have a lot of marvel actors coming together in this you got nick fury you got dr selvig you got the punisher you even have victoria hand from agents of shield um so they've all come together and my head canon is mostly that they are those characters and aquatica is the water prison from Civil War uh, that was just repurposed to come here. And so uh, it's like alternate events that have caused them to be these different characters, but at their core are supposed to be the same. We'll say it's like a spoiler for Lost season six flash sideways. Uh, And they (laughs) are basically the same characters, but events have happened differently. So... I think the uh, most interesting repercussion of that is that Samuel L. Jackson's character then, he makes a lot of references to this avalanche that he was in, that he he was searching through the ice, like going through the ice. My headcanon is that he was there, not just as a tourist or something, but he was looking for Captain America. Oh. When all of the ice covered him. Wow. That's good. I like that. But that was as close as I could get. As close (laughs) as I could get. My wife has had an interesting take on this movie for a while. Uh, And it started more like jokey mystery science theater type quip. But it actually, I think, has plenty of evidence to back it up. And if you look at when the sharks attack, they attack when there's like... uh, promiscuous couples on the boat with the wine when someone's smoking when there's like a playboy all things that puritan sharks would not like so um we basically our headcanon is that you know these sharks were secretly genetically modified by john lithgow's character from footloose <laughs> they're just some real you know stickler sharks headcanon <laughs> Hammerhead cannon. Very nice. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we talk about recast and remakes. Recast, remake. Recast, remake. Recast, remake, recast, recast. Recast, remake, recast, recast. I can't say it. Recast, remake, recast, recast. Rank, 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 rank. If I were to put anyone in a movie. Um, with this, I honestly think that Deep Blue Sea would um, be 
a really great um, Netflix series where they actually make it a long form story, uh, just a mini series. Like it just starts with like them doing all of the experiments uh, and seeing how everything unfolds. And then ultimately, like the final, you know, a couple of things end up being like the shark attack. But I think it could be a really cool miniseries. Seeing how intelligent the sharks can be in a different way, I think would be fun. Um, just like to see like, what would sharks do if they could just, you know, do whatever? Probably control the weather and make a NATO of themselves. I uh, I just think that there there is some, you know, material there which is why they're probably making deep blue sea 2 back in the habit uh tat there it goes i knew there was a joke there and i did it back in the flawlessly that's great oh that's great they actually did make a deep blue sea 2 this year and it if you'll watch the trailer looks like the same movie so I would say check it out, but if you watch this movie, you kind of already did. I actually don't need to recast anyone for mine because my premise for the the remake is more of a prequel where we get to see the story that Samuel L. Jackson's character referred to of him uh, in the avalanche. It sounded like a really interesting story. Uh, they kind of hint at like cannibalism and it, 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 there's just like a lot of elements going on there. And he's very secretive about it. We don't really get a full explanation. So I, w- I would love to see that movie and call it Great White Ice. Oh. Because it follows the same kind of like rhythm of Deep Blue Sea. But you also get the Great White Shark reference in there as well. Um, I, I just think it would be a pretty interesting lead up. And possibly, I mean, they kind of make you believe that he knows so much about the other people on on aquatica because he is the investor he's like the the money behind it so he checks all of his people out i would like to see how there could have been possible uh kind of lost style connections uh in a in a prequel where he had crossed paths with thomas jane and so he knew his his history even even if tom jane didn't realize that samuel L. jackson knew um i i just think it would be a pretty interesting prequel and uh play right into the disaster genre that this one uh, is so solidly set in. Oh, that's good. That's really good. All right, now we're going to go into our final part of the show where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Deep Blue Sea? It's just so much fun. And the way that the base is constructed, it's very much like a puzzle that they're escaping from. They're looking at the schematics and like, we got to go down to go up. It's It's got nice beats to it and uh and it keeps you running keeps you moving it's got enough uh kind of side stories with ll cool j to uh not take you out of the action but give you a different kind of action and then uh merge these stories together um they don't spend a ton of time on the exposition it feels like it moves pretty quickly and then once the action's over the movie's over um, so if you're looking for an adrenaline ride, this really is uh, one that delivers. There's some just great lines that pop up occasionally, too, about, like, I'm not out to make waves and things like that, where it's, like, very 90s, very action, very fun. Um, there was one line that I thought was actually beautifully written and pretty understated and could have been used just as, like, narration for the trailer to promote it. But one of the characters says, 
beneath its glassy surface, a world of gliding monsters. And I was like, ooh, I really like that. And you, uh, you, you feel that. Like, there's the glass imagery especially, like glasses breaking all the time, and that barrier between, uh, like, safety and death is, is very thin. It is glass thin and easily, easily broken. And these characters are dealing with it. And they're dealing with the repercussions of bad choices, which I like, too. Um, very similar to Jurassic Park, where it's like a few people made a mistake, and then everyone is you know, affected by it and has to try to like outlive uh, the human hubris for what they're trying to do. So um, it's ultimately just a really uh, fun movie, a, a fast movie. It's not very long either. Um, and it, yeah, it's worth a watch. It's got some really fun action performances. So worth checking out Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, I would recommend Deep Blue Sea because it is a fun shark movie in the same kind of thriller genre of, you know, other shark movies. I mean, I feel like shark movies nowadays, especially in a world where Sharknado has two, maybe three sequels. Um, oh, I think, I think you got to up that. that. No. Five, Sh- Grayson, six. don't you tell me they're, especially in a world where there are. Over six Sharknado movies, I feel like um, people think that sharks in a movie is so ridiculous. And if it's not going to be Jaws, you might as well just be crazy with the concept. But this movie shows that you can still kind of take the sharks or menacing genre and still have it be taken seriously. Um, But also have it be over the top enough that you're still engaged and entertained by it. Uh, it. It hits that sweet spot of that Venn diagram of Sharknado and Jaws. It's like right in the middle, right there. And it's a very small Venn diagram. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good description, yeah. Uh, it's not quite far out there. But yeah, I, it's fun, it's entertaining, and um, if a spoiling Samuel L. Jackson's moment... Uh, wouldn't ruin it for you. Um, I think that that moment alone is really worth the price of your Netflix subscription because it's on Netflix. So watch it. And that's why I'd recommend it because in the end, they truly were deep blue sea. And that was our review of deep blue sea. Let us know what you remember about deep blue sea on Twitter. We are at flashback flicks and we would love to hear uh, your shark tales over there. Uh, and it would mean a lot to us if you could leave a show of this review, uh, let people know that this is uh, a podcast that would never, ever experiment on genetically modified sharks unless it's to make headcanon. Uh, that's our only exception. But what's the worst that could happen with that? Could be uh, one to five eggs for an omelet. Um <laughs> You know, three would be a mistake. Five is great, though. I don't care what LL Cool J says. Five eggs for an omelet. Highly recommend. It's delicious. Yeah. That's like all your protein in a day. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're like Gaston levels. Gaston levels. Oh, this is my first of many five egg omelets. (laughs) 
And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. We're bringing you another edition of the Movie Trivia Challenge. We're announcing it ahead of time instead of just springing it on you because we would love to hear some of your trivia questions if you have them to submit we're going to make a little bit of space in the podcast for your questions to be asked and submitted so uh feel free to dm us or message us on twitter uh and we will uh get your questions over there and we hope you're ready because it's going to be a challenge honor system i promise not to yahoo search the answers ahead of time